Welcome to Be Inspired, your ultimate resource for finding inspiration. It's been a while since my my last podcast, but I'm excited about my guest today as we delve into the extraordinary world of art, nature, and spirituality. And we have the pleasure of welcoming a truly captivating guest, C.J. Shelton of Dancing Moon Designs. C.J. is not just a visual artist, educator, and facilitator, but a visionary who seamlessly weaves together these realms into a tapestry of inspiration and profound meaning. At the heart of C.J.'s luminous art lies the circular shape known as the mandala. Through this sacred lens, she explores the intricate landscape of our inner and outer worlds, revealing the eternal wisdom that uh, resides in that natural world and the depths of our own imagination and psyche. It is a journey guided by intuition, symbolism, and mysticism, inviting us to discover the profound connections that exist between art, nature, and spirituality. CJ's artwork is more than just visually stunning. It is a vessel that channels the spirit of nature itself with reverence for the earth's elements, she infuses her creations with elements from the natural world, infusing them with life and and inviting the viewers to embark on a transformative experience. So beyond her artistic endeavors, CJ is an educator who strives to awaken creativity and foster a deep connection with nature in others. Through her teachings, she empowers individuals to tap into their own wellsprings of inspiration and explore the profound messages embedded in the natural world. Welcome, CJ. (laughs) Thanks, Francesca. It's wonderful to be here. So thank you for having me. And that was a lovely introduction. Very nice. I'm so glad to have you with me today on this podcast. It's um, It's been a while. I've wanted to connect with you. I have some great questions, I think, for us to explore today to give us a better understanding about all that you are doing. So let's start with, tell us more about your journey as a visual artist educator and a facilitator. I mean, I'd like to know, how did you come to blend art and nature and and spirituality in your work? Yeah, um, great question. Um, So I I guess I can start by saying I've been uh, making art and being an artist um, as long as I can remember. Uh, My mother said that uh, I started drawing as soon as I could hold a pencil. And I always had a love of nature. as long as I can remember. And so the, and the first thing I started drawing was animals, especially horses in particular. So I was that classic horse crazy little girl, but for me, it was expressed through drawing them. 
And uh, the other thing we did, we camped a lot when I was growing up. So that played a big part in why I love nature. So I remember going to Algonquin Park and hearing the wolves, you know, hiking, um, being out under the stars. It was just all that learning to appreciate the beauty of the natural world. And even, even as young as like 12 years old, I always had a sketchbook with me. And I started recording what I was seeing around me, whether it was the animals or the landscapes or the buildings. And um, I was blessed to actually be able to travel a bit with my parents, too. So we went all over Canada and the, and the U.S. and the U.K. And I always had a sketchbook with me. So um, and I still have them. And it's really fun to look back and see how much of what I do today was what I was actually doing as a young person. Only obviously I'm doing it to a, a greater extent. And then. Another big part of my journey um, was that I spent, even though I grew up in the suburbs of Toronto, I spent a whole bunch of my uh, childhood summers on a working farm near Mount Forest in Ontario. And that gave me a deep love for animals because I got to raise my my own calf and see lambs and piglets being born. And uh, I simply hung out with the animals in the barn and I just communed with them. And that kind of environment was was pure magic for for a little girl. And I found I had a very emotional and spiritual connection to animals from a very young age. And I could literally see their spirits, as well as the spirits in the forests and the fields. And I was often criticized for being, you know, too sensitive or having too vivid an imagination. But that knowing, that feeling that there's something more to life never left me. And so early on in my life, I found I was expressing that through my art as well. Um, because it felt safer to do that than through, you know, talking about it. And uh, so then I became, um, I actually went into the field of commercial art. I was a graphic designer and an architectural illustrator for many years. Um, and I made that a professional path uh, for over 30 years. That caused me to wander off the spiritual path a bit, but I reconnected again because I, you know, life threw me a, a few hard knocks. And because of those hard knocks, it got me asking the big questions again. And I turned back to what had always given me comfort as a child, which was nature, animals, and in the spirit world. And so when circumstances eventually led to me opening my own studio and gallery at the Elton Mills uh, Art Center, it felt like coming home. It was where I could return to exploring the things that called to me, that spoke to my heart. And that's when I began teaching others and, and sharing my love of these things. And, and the Alton Mill is the perfect place to do that. It's a beautiful combination of human industry and nature working together in harmony. And that's basically what uh, a lot of what I'm all about. So that's kind of, that was a long way of saying how I got, what my journey has been. Wow, that is um, a great explanation, um, really, about your background and where it all started. And it just makes mm -hmm. me think how fortunate you were because you found your true calling early on in, in childhood that really became your passion to develop over the years, which which you did, which um, as you just um explained how you are at the Alton Mills Art Center, where there is that gel between the human industry and nature so, so thoughtfully put just the way you have, you know, um, mm. explained that to us. And I have to say that the Alton Mills Art Center is, it's a magical place, just the yes. drive to it. Uh, as mm -hmm. I was telling you earlier, I had come out 
um, to see the Alton Mills. It was during, it was in the winter time and there was a light dusting of snow and just how beautiful the drive was coming through the back roads of the beautiful trees covered wow. in, in snow. And then that entrance, that driveway up to, <laughs> to the mill itself. Yeah. It's gorgeous out there. And you said you've yeah. been there for 12 years now. I'm in my 12th year there now. Yeah. And the other interesting thing that it's only it's in the same, basically the same area where I spent a lot of my childhood. So that farm up in like Alton Mills is near Caledon and Mount Forest is not is, is about an hour away. So I spent a lot of time in this area. We camped in this mm -hmm. area a lot. So it feel, that's why I meant it felt like coming home, even though I'd lived other places before I came here. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just it's such a it's such a beautiful area. And yes, it is magical. And that's what I felt the second I walked into the Alton Mill. I, I knew mm -hmm. I was going to move heaven and earth to, to get there. And I did. <laughs> and you did. So, OK, well, let's shift gears a little and, and speak specifically to um, an art form that you spend much time creating and teaching mm -hmm. about. I'd like to know, I think we'd all like to know what drew you specifically to the circular shape or the mandala as the focal point to your art and how do you believe that it enhances your exploration of our inner and outer landscapes okay um well after uh, like i said i my professional career was was almost 30 years of doing very technical very precise right. and realistic work and um i actually i became very burnt out and rather unfulfilled by that approach you know I was very good at it but it, it just wasn't wasn't fulfilling so I actually started exploring mandalas when I discovered um, a book by Judith Cornell um, on mandalas I don't know if you're familiar with that um, and she um, she explored sort of it really went into the psychological and spiritual aspects of mandalas from from both an eastern and a western perspective Okay, And her approach was creating, she encouraged creating them in a very spontaneous and intuitive way. So in the moment, not a lot of structure. So it was very, very different from, from what I had been doing. And I, I had uh, um, been going through a bit of a healing crisis. Um, like I said, my, my, my professional work caused a, a number of health issues. So I was really looking for some way to not give up my art, but um, sort of re, re um, approach it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And so her work was was really speaking to my own need to dig deeper. And that's what I was wanting. And the more I researched the Mandela form, the more I came to realize just how significant shape it was. And it's just such a satisfying shape to work with. It uh, acts as a container or something basically anything can happen. And I first I started first by exploring more traditional mandalas, which is the more radial patterns, like they radiate out from the center and um, they're very abstract. And over the years that, um, I guess this is over the last 15 years, that has morphed into me pushing well beyond the boundaries of traditional mandalas. Um, and so now, but, but what stays consistent is the shape of the circle. So it will always appear in my work, no matter what shape it is. Um, so it's always there. It's always present, regardless of the subject matter. So just to give an example, um, 
while an image might not be a Mandela per se, there will be the circular shape of, say, a light burst behind an animal's head or between the branches of a tree. So okay. that's the spirit coming through, right? But it's coming through in a circular form. Okay, yeah. great. That was a great explanation that was. And also to explain the significance of the mandala, more so from an intuitive, symbolic, and mystical perspective. So like how, how does it serve as a lens through which you interpret the wisdom of the natural world? I know we're going layers and layers deeper into this, but just to yeah. talk that. Well, the, the circle itself, it's a symbol of wholeness, and it's also a symbol of source or the divine creative energy of the universe. So whether what, whatever you believe that to be, whether that's God or creator or simply pure energy. Mm -hmm. So every spiritual tradition uses circles in some form. It's fascinating when you start to look at it. Or they're everywhere through Eastern, Christian, pagan, doesn't matter which um, and it's acts as that sacred container. So for me, it's like using, I liken it to using a lens on a camera that you can, it's that circular aperture that you're looking through. And the circle itself represents two things. It can be the still point at the center. And then there's the perimeter, which is constantly in motion. So that represents the cycles of life and and how life is constantly changing. So when you kind of see that lens, you can focus in on a particular moment and capture that like a snapshot, right? And it's taking a snapshot of the um, person creating that image or the, it's taking a snapshot of where they are in their life. So that's how I see it as a lens. Okay. And then through the image it takes, it's reflecting back what that person was experiencing and it, it taps into this form taps into our subconscious and so what we choose to focus on or the choice of colors or the symbols that emerge that goes far beyond what's just on the surface and that's what really fascinates me is that you can go as deep as you want you could take it at face value or you can see deeper into it Okay, and I like how you talk about the mandala. You're, you're specifically uh, focused on the circle itself. You're saying it's that still point and then the, the parameter as well. Um, mm -hmm. You're talking about it as a container. You're talking about it as a cycle of life. And I always like to think of the, the circle representing or the mandala representing that container of essence, that which is yes. you. But as you said, it's in that moment in time. That's the importance and yes. significance of, of it. Um, yeah. And also how we are a vessel for um, spirit to work through us. Okay. It, it, it channels that essence because um, we are spirit too. So it's a, it's a connection point. Um, it provides that safe connection mm -hmm. where, where something can happen. It's, it's, it just creates a space for it. And that's why I think a, a lot, so many spiritual traditions um, use that, whether it's from a labyrinth or a medicine wheel or, um, you know, stained glass rose window in a cathedral. It's that same idea. It's channeling and creating a place for something uh, sacred to happen. And as you said, a safe place for it. Safe. To yeah. Happen. So can you then uh, share with us an example of 
a specific artwork or a series even that embodies the deep importance of imagination and psyche in your artistic expression and what inspired that particular piece. I'm wondering if you're going to take it back to the relevance of horses um, throughout yes. your career, <laughs> but um, go ahead. Yeah. Tell us. Give yeah, us that's example. exactly where I was. That's exactly oh, where I was going to go. Okay. So um, I, I did a series of 10 um, acrylic paintings of horses and I, of horses, like I said at the beginning, it was the first thing I started drawing and I've gone back to horses throughout my career mm -hmm. in different ways. And so, you know, it was always very realistic. Now I explore the spiritual side of them. Horses in particular have the ability, uh, there's just something really amazing about, uh, I mean, all animals, but horses have this very um, quality about them. So I did a series of 10 paintings and they're just white paint on a black background okay. on a black canvas. And I call them my grace collection because um, each one illuminates a particular quality of being such as courage or faith, hope, surrender, um, and uh so I've played with backlighting in these pieces. So when I say they're white on black, so there's mm -hmm. there's backlighting. So the horse has got rim lighting. So you're basically almost seeing it silhouette. And the light is either coming from within the horse mm -hmm. or the horse is connecting to a light that's emanating from source or the divine. And so the expression and the pose and the emotion that the horse evokes depicts the essence of the quality that's being illustrated. So there's no, like, my goal is to, so you immediately know that that's courage. It's not, it couldn't be anything but, even though there's no words, right? It's just all in the expression. And the inspiration for these, um, they actually chronicled um, a, a battle with cancer that my little grandnephew fought and the qualities that I witnessed in him as he went through this. And, and also his parents and, and the rest of our family. And um, unfortunately, sadly, he, he ultimately lost that battle mm. um, with cancer. But the images I painted were a healing journey for me, as well as for others who now engage with these paintings. Mm. And so what I discovered is that um, even though it was really my process as I processed my, my um, uh grief with him, you know, over what he was going through, um, they became archetypes, which are universal, these universal ideas of what courage and hope and faith um, are, and how we all relate to them in some form, whether it's um, something we're going through ourselves in our own lives, or we are witnessing those that we love struggle with. So these, these images have caught that essence of what faith is or what courage is and and what we draw on in times of um in the times that we need it so that's and 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 so each of these horses even though there's a horse there is a light burst and there's the circular form so it's uh, combining all those things there's the art the the nature and the spirituality side of it and and the mandala is showing up it's even though they're they're not traditional mandalas the circle is present in each of them thank you so much for sharing that very personal story i did not know that about your grace collection of the horses now is this something that is for sale through cards or or other means uh, yes, mo I only uh, most of the originals are gone are sold now, but I have a series of prints and I have a, a, 
what I call my encouragement cards, where I have five of the images on cards um, with with a few brief words, and then they're blank on the inside. So the idea of meaning that the even though the originals, I, I have two of them still uh, left. One of them I'm keeping <laughs> for <Okay>. myself. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, but the prints are available. Um, and they they really speak to they really really speak to people like they're they're probably um, my most iconic series now um, because they, there's just a, I've had people stand in front I still have courage courage is the one I'm keeping so he he uh, kind of rules the studio uh, it's quite a large piece and and people I've had people come in and just simply stand in front of him and start crying and so they don't know the story they don't know anything. About it but he's evoking something in them so yeah. that to me is the power of art it means something got really captured in these pieces uh that was very real and it doesn't matter whether you know the story or not it's speaking to something within each person wherever they are in their story and and whatever it might be that they're dealing with right so it's um that they've been fascinating in that respect you know they were my personal journey but they've become a universal journey for the collective yes of course <laughs> and so the yeah. the grace collection obviously very special indeed you're keeping the print you said courage so what's the actual one that is left for for sale <laughs> the one that's left is uh her name is uh, and i and you've noticed i call them her and him yes. and they, they're very real to me uh the final piece uh, was spirit um Ooh, and this okay. was just, yeah so she was created actually after my little nephew grandnephew uh, passed away um so she was the last in the series so the others have all gone to to good homes where they are um, appreciated for the story that they are and uh courage is the one that's staying with me right. <laughs> okay. he's uh he's become very special so yeah okay so cj as an educator how do you encourage others than to tap into their own creativity and and connect with the natural world like what techniques or exercises do you find most effective in in fostering this connection when you're working with people so my basic approach is always to meet people exactly where they are in that moment and to create a sacred space um for them where they can simply simply be with no judgments mm -hmm. it's only encouragement and support um that's what i really try to foster and so in my studio and my space um you know just just like a mandala is a safe space i want to create a safe space just with the way i am with people and the, and the space that i provide for for them to create in um, because i i really believe that when we feel safe and nurtured our, our playful creative side can come out just like it did when we were children and i think back to when i felt safest which was in nature or out in the, the barn with the animals so that's what i'm striving to provide for others so that's um so my 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 studio is it looks out over the trees and shaw's creek runs right under beneath my windows so you can hear the rapids um you can hear the birds singing and there are always squirrels and stuff in the trees and the space is very light filled and magical. Um, I always have soft music playing and, and white sage burning. And, and it's, I have all kinds of things in the studio, like, like fur and shells and, and feathers and, and things that people can pick up and touch and, and connect with. So all of those are touch points for, 
bringing nature inside. It's almost a seamless blend of, yes, it's in a, in a building, but it's this little slice of nature within that building. It is a very womb-like feeling to it, uh, or a little bit like going into a magical cave. And uh, so many people come in and tell me they wish they could just stay there live there or sleep there <laughs> so it's very it's very very peaceful so that that's how that's what I strive to create that because it's what I have I felt when I was a child when I was out in the forest or in the barn with the animals it's that same it's a feeling thing of being connected to all that is we're not separate from nature we are part of it I can definitely attest to the fact that it is a safe space because I have been to it. Um, it's absolutely, it is magical. It There is something about it that you just feel good just walking through those doors. Um, I don't know. You're just completely taken mm -hmm. by what is within. And I think you're touching on all the uh, senses, maybe except yes. for taste, but I'm pretty sure you've got something in there. Yeah. <laughs> as well even yeah. to hit that particular uh yeah that we have it is beautiful and i think it is a must see for anybody that really wants to um touch a little bit on the deeper aspects of themselves you do have so much to offer and we'll we'll talk about that too but uh cj what impact do you hope to have on viewers or the participants who engage with your art and your teachings what kind of transformative experiences or insights do you strive then to facilitate through your work hmm. so mandela work showed up as i've sort of uh, as we, i've already talked about it showed up for me at a time in my life when i needed to go deeper and i couldn't articulate all that I was experiencing emotionally mm -hmm. and spiritually. And the traditional forms of art that I'd been focused on for so many years in my professional career, that was fine, but it wasn't touching that deeper core. And so between my own healing process and, and years of exploring symbolism, and I, I've delved a lot into Jungian psychology and alternative healing, I realized just how important this kind of work was in order for us as human beings to be whole. Um, our society ignores for a lot of, for the most part, the spiritual side of life. And that makes up a full quarter of a circle. You know, it's the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And, um, you know, I just, I really wanted to create that safe and sacred space for others to explore deeper and to be able to ask the bigger questions without fear of being judged or ridiculed. And that, that goes back to my own experience of being called too sensitive when I was younger, or you didn't actually see that you're making things up. You have a vivid imagination, right? So I want people to be able to come in and engage with my work and see in a different way, to see beyond what is just, you know, it's not just a landscape. There's there's spirit in the landscape. There's something more. There's a spirit in that animal that it's a it's an individual animal that's speaking to you. It's not just a, a well-executed painting. It, there's more to it. And then you can have a conversation with that animal. And that's a kind of transformative experience. Like I said, people come in and they stand in front of um, my painting of courage and he brings tears. Sometimes he brings laughter, you know, he brings something out of them. So they're that, 
that is something um, a transport can be very transformative for someone. I, you know, I mean, I don't have to say anything sometimes. And that to me is the power of art. If you can evoke something like that without words, if an image, you know, the old adage, an image speaks a thousand words, that to me is, is the transformative experience I want somebody to have, that I want whatever's in that painting to speak to them at the place that they need to be spoken to, if that makes sense. <laughs> oh, it certainly does. It, it really does. And and then what are the particular spiritual or even the mystical traditions, CJ, that have influenced this artistic practice? I mean, how do you navigate that intersection between the different spiritual perspectives in your work again it's multi-layered there's a lot happening yeah. here yeah yeah it is my work is very multi-layered you can absolutely take it at face value and um but uh a lot of the influences in my work um come from the celtic tradition that's my ancestral heritage um from, okay. from the, the uk and I was born here in Canada, so I'm first generation Canadian, but um, I'm also very influenced by the First Nations and Indigenous traditions of, of, um, of the land of my birth. So, and it's, these are both very nature-based spiritual paths um, with a lot of similarities. And the main one being that the circular shape lies at the foundation of their beliefs. And the idea that um, life is a never ending circle and a series of cycles and that, and, and this is really vital to me, is that ev the belief that everything, including stones and plants and animals, are animated with the divine spirit. So this is very shamanic, um, mm -hmm. it, which is a, a, another path. That's the path I follow is is as a shamanic path, which is probably the well, the world's oldest tradition um, because it dates back, you know, sixty to a hundred thousand years. So people all over the world, no matter what culture you come from, will find will have roots in some kind of shamanic tradition and that tradition believes in the spirit being present in everything so everything is interconnected and that interconnectedness of the physical the emotional the mental and the spiritual all of that connects me back to my childhood experiences in nature and on the farm where I interacted with the animals I had the ability to see things that that others didn't or were telling me that's not real I knew it was real. And it goes back to those traditions where they they realize that too, that, that the Celts saw the spirit in everything. So those are the those are the main traditions that that influence my work. Um and that I, you know, I I draw I draw on them the ideas that are in them. So while my work is not specifically Celtic or it it can have that flavor. Right. Uh, people often come in and say there's a very indigenous feeling or a Celtic feeling to your work, but it's my interpretation of the, the ideas that are foundational to both those traditions, right. as well as my, my own, you know, personal understanding of spirit and, and mm -hmm. uh, creativity. Yeah. So what I hear when you're talking about the shamanic path and talking about the shamanic tradition in that everything is interconnected, what I hear and even what I see, what I can visualize, what you're talking about is living in harmony. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
harmony within ourselves and within the the, the environments that we mm -hmm. live in because we're not separate from nature i i, I find it that's uh, at the root of a lot of the troubles in our world right now is this disconnection um we think we're separate from nature but we're not we are nature and um to put those pieces back together you know these these uh, shamanic tradition doesn't see separation at all um and that's what we've lost uh, particularly in our western culture we have lost that um mandalas of course were were more of a found more uh, frequently throughout the Eastern traditions. And Carl Jung actually introduced the Mandela to uh, Western culture in a big way. And and yet it's taking us back to the roots of, of you know, Celtic Celtic tradition is Western as well. And, and so that circular idea of wholeness is what we've lost a little bit of. And if we can find it again and add these, parts back so that we are balanced physical mental emotional and spiritual and too often the spiritual and quite frequently the emotional is is absent in our culture um and you know mandalas and art are a way of connecting us back because it helps us see and interact with the world in a different way right right yeah so living in harmony we're talking about it being connected to nature spirit and the environment we're talking about roots and being grounded in yes. a circular way for wholeness, for balance. But really, doesn't it all come down to or come back to self-love in order for us to find that harmony? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And acknowledging, you know, validating what you're feeling. And I think that's a lot of what I do with my work and in, in and teaching and, and facilitating for others is is facilitating that self-love giving somebody a place to let their guard down and be and feel safe enough to explore or ask big questions or difficult questions and just have have the space to do it and um yeah and so often nature can show us that way nature is the greatest teacher um i believe you know whenever you can take almost virtually any question to nature and find an answer to it in just what you observe or how nature how nature resolves issues or or you recognize that this is this is part of a bigger pattern and once you understand the pattern that you're in you can understand the place where you are at that moment and handle it that much better if that makes sense well, I agree. Nature is definitely the greatest teacher. And so how then do you balance, CJ, that need for structure and intentionality in creating mandalas with this intuitive but yet spontaneous aspects of that artistic process that you know oh so well? So describe then your, your creative approach or any rituals that might follow. Yeah, that's a that's a really really interesting question because I come from, I came from such a structured background and the right. work that I did was so technical. Um, so what I've what I've found is uh, I, I went through a period where I went really really abstract while I was um, going through my own healing process, and now I, it's kind of like a pendulum swing. I've come back to the middle, and so I use both approaches, both structured and intuitive, in my in my work. So I like to have an underlying pattern to 
hang an image on, if, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, it's like a foundational pattern. And so there may be, that may be something structured like a, a specific pattern of sacred geometry or a mandala form of some sort. And I start there and then, but then I let the rest of it unfold naturally over top of it. So the underlying structure is holding it together. Okay. And then there's something intuitive and wild happening over top of it. And when you think about it, that's exactly what nature is. Nature has a structure. A tree may look like it's branching in a random way, but it's not. There's a structure and a pattern of very precise pattern, often a mathematical pattern of growth, but it can look random. And so that's kind of the, the type of, that's what I'm almost trying to, to mimic. So a lot of the time in my work, I'll start with an idea or a message that I want to convey and I'll, I'll actually see it mm -hmm. in my in, internally. Um, and then I have to figure out how, how am I going to get that out of, out, out here to out there. Um, and then it becomes um, basically a dance between the vision I hold and the vision that's wanting to be expressed through me. So I, I said before, I, I believe that as artists, we are a vessel for spirits to work through, like any anybody is a vessel for, for spirit to work through. So for that to happen, I actually, I need to let my own ego get out of the way. So I don't have any rituals per se, other than I often use music as a, as a prompt, okay. uh, emotional music, a lot of movie soundtrack music, so instrumental, so that it's very emotional. Right. right. Um, so you would appreciate that. Um, and Moby my, would be good for it, CJ. Moby would be great for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I, I like to conjure up the spirit, whatever it is I'm drawing or painting right. and mm -hmm. asking it to join in and co-create with me. And I'll feel that energy come in. So if that horse is coming, like I, I see that horse, but I want to feel that horse come through me. Okay. And then when it starts to form on the canvas, then we have a conversation, then we start to dance together. And it's, it's a beautiful, when that flow is happening, that, that animal or landscape or whatever it is I'm painting becomes alive. And it's simply, I am simply the channel that it's coming through, but we are co-creating together. Right. right. It's and directing me and I'm directing it. So it's beautiful. And that is your approach in your workshop. So you're talking about it personally, but I also know that that is your approach in your workshops because I have been out there and I have uh, been fortunate enough to spend time with you. And I think when I was there, I was doing the candle workshop with you. Yeah, yeah. Time, maybe it was after Christmas, I think it was before, but it was just a beautiful experience. And when you're talking about having that technical aspect or that structure yes you have the structure before it becomes intuitive for the participants to layer on what it is that they're feeling or experiencing in that moment so yeah thank yeah. you for, for sharing yeah. those practices and and your approach and my last question because we are getting to the end of this very very mm -hmm. insightful podcast today but what upcoming projects or collaborations are you excited about and and what is new on the horizon for dancing moon designs that you'd like to share with us yeah so things are typically slow down a bit during the summer although i am really excited about a couple of things um just this coming week i have a, an online summer solstice gathering on tuesday evening um june 20th 
And we'll be looking at the idea of the green man, which is the masculine, uh, the divine masculine aspect of nature. So that's that's really, uh, I'm excited about that. Um, and then I have, um, during July and August, I have um, a few plein air or outdoor drawing classes, which they, you can take one or all of them. It's just an opportunity to share, you know, be out in nature and discover it through drawing. So that really goes back to my roots again um, that we talked about at the beginning. Um, another thing I'm really excited about is a collaboration I'm doing with my colleague, uh, Jane Finn, and her herd of horses. Um, we're running a, a one-day retreat together on Sunday, August 20th at her Whispering Winds farm. So it's not at the Alton Mill, it's at her farm. Okay. And it's going to be a day of, yeah, it's going to be a day of connecting with horses, real horses. Not This isn't about riding. This is simply right. about being the horses. With the horses, so right. Just, yeah, just being with the horses. And and horses are incredibly wise and give us all kinds of information. And so then we're going to express that encounter through creating an intuitive painting. And so all of this will be taking place outdoors. And it's just like a, she has a beautiful property near Orangeville. So uh, just outside of the city. And it's just going to be a beautiful day of, of connecting with animals and nature and, and just feeling into it and expressing what that's going to be like. And wow. yes, yeah. So I have um, a couple of workshops coming up. Um, I have one on uh, looking at... Um, intuitive painting with flowers and plants i have my dot mandala uh, workshop that there's one in july that's really fun for anybody you don't have to be uh an artist to enjoy any of these i, I just want to stress that this is about right. expressive art it's not about we're not going to be drawing horses we're going to be drawing how you feel about horses right. if that but if that makes sense and um and for myself creatively um i'm actually I'm super excited. I am actually illustrating my own deck of tarot cards as well as an oracle deck. And both very are very nature. Yeah. And so both are very nature-based and they feature animals prominently. So as well as lots of circles. Um, and so this is a these are both big projects that I'm I'm currently working on it with the goal to to publish them. Um so it it's kind of the culmination of of my career and my practice that mm -hmm. incorporates so many things so that's an ongoing project right now right. Um, that I'm personally doing and um, yeah so any of the fall work uh, or sorry I have fall workshops uh, I have I've just started planning those but um, um, I, I, I guess I would just say that the best way to keep informed of what I have coming up is to visit my website and um, and I will link uh, a link for people to to go Perfect. to um, as well following this but I think you have a lot going on CJ I do. I mean, the tarot deck and the oracle deck that couldn't come at a better time I think it's yeah. perfect to take all the wisdom and knowledge that you have and to port it into something yeah. like that is beautiful so yeah. we have the online summer solstice to expect that was the green man that you spoke about the green man yeah yeah the green man. classes in july and august and that collaboration you said with jane finn mm -hmm. that's also in august you said i think around the 20th sounds very yes. special that was with whispering winds farm um being with the horses as you say it's being with yeah. the horses not drawing them specifically well i think this is the perfect place to wrap up this conversation. Mm -hmm. CJ, thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope you're going to come back again soon to share more 
about. I would love to. <laughs> about your yeah. jobs. And for everybody listening to make sure that you stay in the loop and never miss an episode, please subscribe and follow this podcast. Until next time, be inspired. CJ, thank you. I'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thank you, Francesco. It's been a pleasure. Bye for now.